Johnny Sig and Kevin Perry here back again, and we have a living legend back again, Manny Pacquiao, eight division world champion, fought in nine weight classes, taking on Ugas. So as an Italian, as we say, Ugas might mean you have nothing, but does Ugas have something? Kevin, let's hit it. What's going on, my man? How you doing today? Oh, it's hot in here. Uh, almost lost my dog a while ago, so we so we uh, got started a little bit late. I'm having computer glitch issues. Oh man, it's uh, oh, can anything man. else go go wrong here? But anyways, um, yeah, yeah. So I guess today we're gonna talk about the Pac Man is back. 40, what, 42 years old? 42. Yeah, he's, he's almost uh, he's almost as old as me. 42 right? years old, 62, 7, and 2, okay? Pacquiao's only been knocked out three times, but he's had 39 knockouts. He's a southpaw, age 42 years old. Okay, Kev, let's break this down. Let's go, get right to the – cut right to the chase. Notable wins, Bronner, Matisse, Bradley, Marquez, four fights they had. And now people can argue, like, which one they thought, like, whoever won. But we obviously know who won the fourth one. Uh, Mosley, Margarito, Cloudy, De La Hoya. You know, I mean, he's fought everyone. Cotto, Hatton, Morales, Barrera. Those are wins for him. He obviously lost against uh, Floyd Mayweather. But if you look at the resume, you know, and, and like I said recently with, with uh, Keith Thurman, like, man, like he looked really impressive in that fight. Uh, I think experience prevails. Keith Thurman, over... where, where is that guy? Is that guy in uh, witness protection or what? I haven't seen that guy in a while. I, I think he's back to smoking weed and snake charming. Okay. I, I think he's... <laughs> I think he's probably better right now at smoking weed than he is fighting because I haven't – I mean, he just completely disappeared. <laughs> um, anyways, so we got Pacquiao versus Jordanus Ugas. Uh, tell us a little bit about Ugas. Uh, I, I, I know he's a um, former Cuban uh, Olympian, uh, bronze medalist, I believe in – I don't know what year. I mean, he's, he's kind of old himself. He's 35, so – um, his, his resume, nothing here really sticks out to me except for that, uh, that close decision loss to Sean Porter. I, I thought he beat Sean Porter, but you know, when you're fighting uh, the A side, you got to do a little bit more. And, um, in this sense, from what I see is, uh, I'm kind of seeing this is a similar fight to the Sean Porter one in the sense that. Ugas is not very busy. He doesn't throw a lot of punches. Um, he's very calculated in uh, his style, and it's definitely a, a big contrast uh, different than Errol Spence uh, Jr. That's who Pacquiao was supposed to be fighting. Uh, he had a retinal tear. Um, I got Pacquiao by uh, 
you know, maybe a 116-112 type of fight. Uh, that's eight rounds to four uh, for all you uh, rookies out there. Um, but how do you see this fight going? Um, strengths, weaknesses? Uh, what, what's the game plan for each fighter? Not to agree, just to agree, but you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, the thing that stands out for Ugas is that the biggest fight of his life was a loss to Sean Porter, close fight. You know, Ugas stands at 26 and 4, 12 KOs. He is 35. That is a great point to mention. A lot of people talk about Manny Pacquiao's age, but Ugas is not no spring chicken. Um, at the end of the day, the only advantage that Ugas really has is his height, 5'9". But everyone's going to have an advantage over Manny Pacquiao with height. I mean, okay. th that's, so, you so, know. So uh, just, to, just to interject there. Um, okay. People people always assume that height is an advantage. In this case, do you see that as being an advantage for Ugas, or do you think that's actually a disadvantage for him here? Like you said, who has he fought? You know, like, uh, you got to look at the resume. Like, uh, experience. Experience here is the key for me to the keys to victory. Manny Pacquiao has so much experience. Uh, for Ugas, to answer that question. My, my, do does, my dog Chico was back here. I was going to ask him uh, who he thought was going to win. He was creeping up on me. But, but anyway, <laughs> continue, John. For, for Ugas, like, if he uses a jab, I mean – you know, we got a conventional fighter in Ugas against a southpaw fighter in Manny Pacquiao. So the right hand is really the key to victory when you fight a southpaw. Can he use that? Can he keep a proper distance? Um, I don't I don't think he's got the tools. Like, to be honest with you, I think Manny Pacquiao has an easy night. I could definitely see a decision because maybe Ugas doesn't want to engage much, but I don't know, man. Like, this this version of Manny Pacquiao that I saw in the last Keith Thurman fight, mind you, it was a while back. This goes back a little ways. But I think he was really keyed and fired up to, to face Earl Spence and put himself out there to uh, be considered still one of the best in the world. And he was willing to do it. Like, I love what Manny Pacquiao said. He doesn't slight people much, and he's a very classy guy. But he's like, I'm not fight fighting YouTubers. I want to fight the best still. So if he's training for that kind of mentality, I mean, Ugats, eh, I think you got Ugats. Like we say in Italian, I, I, no disrespect to any fighter, but I just, I don't, I don't see this guy doing a good job in this fight. I could see it going decision. Maybe he um, feels the wrath of Pacquiao because if Pacquiao comes on strong, you know, maybe he wants to use his legs, move around, and uh, not to stereotype at all, but we know, like, Cuban fighters, they like they like to move. That That's their thing. Uh, they like to move around the ring trajectory. Manny Pacquiao, what does he like to do? He's a buzzsaw. He likes to get in your face. And I, I think – I, I honestly feel he's, he's going to get a knockout here. Interesting. Um, I Like I said before, I think it's um, 116 – 112. Um, and actually, it's, it's uh, interesting that um, this fight comes on uh, the heels of another Cuban fighter who fought last weekend, who really just, uh, yikes. I mean, he, he just really put a stink, a stink job on, on the whole house and really took a great opportunity and just kind of threw it down the toilet. Um, just briefly uh, to go over uh, last weekend's action. Um, Guillermo Rigondeaux, 
the 40-year-old Cuban, uh, loses to uh, John Real Casimero. Um, what W? What was it? IBF, 118-pound uh, championship. That uh, was a split decision loss. I, I, I thought Rigo pulled it out, but um, it's one of those fights where when one guy is um, trying to make the fight and the other guy is trying to not make a fight out of it, it puts the judges in a very difficult situation because, um, I mean, in reality, um, you're supposed to score clean punching um, over effective aggressiveness. Uh, Casimiro was just so crude. I mean, he was just missing shots like crazy. Uh, couldn't land anything of note. And Rigo would land one or two decent left hands every round. But w was that enough? Uh, how, how did you see that fight? Well, you know, Styles makes fights, and uh, let's face facts. It was a stink fest. You know, it, it was just those two guys' styles did not combine for any kind of fireworks. Well, uh, you, know what, you know what, John? Um, I, I yeah. somewhat agree with you there, but I, I expected that Rigo was going to do some more counterpunching. And uh, what I saw happen was uh, there was a very egregious foul in, in the uh, first round where Casimero yeah. kind of pushed uh, Rigo's head down, and then he landed uh, a shot behind the head, and, and Rigo tends to kind of dip his head down and put himself in a very vulnerable situation where he's trying to duck and slip. And Casimero kind of pushed him down and then hit him while he was down. And I think from then on, he felt a little bit of the power, and I thought he, he was probably somewhat hurt by that blow. And I think he just went into full defensive mode for the rest of the bout because – I, I, he has a reputation for having um, not the most exciting fight, but usually when he starts getting pressed, um, he starts making adjustments, and he has a very good left hand, and I just didn't really see him using it. I think he was just more uh, concentrating on not getting hit, and I, I think that's what really um, – cost him the fight. Uh, continue, John. I just wanted to interject there. Th that's age. I think what you're alluding to is age, um, that Rigganiel has now uh, gotten to a place where, you know, he's gotten older, you know, he's fighting still, and credit to him, he's taken on very credible and strong opponents. But the problem is, is that he can't pull that trigger anymore. I think you were on to something there, Kev. In the first round, maybe whether it was a foul or whatever it was that upset him, it's like, how much do you really still want to do this? Like, when you're younger, you could do things that you can't do when you're older. And I think that's that's the problem with Rigondeaux right now is that um, he's in a place that he's probably cutting weight. You know, again, you said the 118 category. Like, wow. And he's that old. So that's also a factor to take in in training and conditioning. And then he's got to fight a young kid, a young lion that's coming in and then deal with adversity in the first round, mind you, and then go throughout a course of an entire fight. So I always try to put myself in the, in the perspective of the head of the fighter, you know, like what's going on with them physically, what's going on in their heads. What was their training camp? Like what, what's the fight looking like right now? How is it shaping up? And for that one, it, it definitely seemed like Rigondeau kind of like just kind of checked out after the first second round. Yeah, you're uh, you're you're pretty uh, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, it was oh man, I mean I, I was hoping for a good fight and 
Rigo just took the life out of the fight. He took the life out of the fans. Um, I, be honest with you, I mean, I, I love I love uh, watching him fight, but this is no way to get uh, yourself back on track and get yourself back in the picture. Um, I, I don't see him getting another shot at a, a title um, anytime soon. Um, time no. to start talking retirement, uh, Guillermo Rigando, because I think uh, – yeah, I, I don't. I don't think anybody's clamoring to see this guy uh, reach. You know, get get back to the top. Uh, he he definitely squandered this uh, this big opportunity that he had. Uh, it was yikes. So um, <laughs> not, 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 best way to not, put it. Another big fight uh, this week or this past weekend was uh, Virgil Ortiz. Great yes. young prospect, eighteen and 0, 18 knockouts. He beat Aegis uh, e- Cavalicious. We'll just call him Mean Machine because, I mean, I'm just going to brutalize his name. So um, I actually have this one down. Cavaloskis. All right. I got it. I worked on it. I practiced that. <laughs> so, yeah, but- and I'll, I'll just do Mean Machine. So, um, what, four or five knockdowns? Uh, or- Ortiz, uh, I-, I didn't actually get to see the fight, so I, I just saw some highlights and stuff. Uh, how, how did Ortiz look to you, and do you think he's ready for the, the top guys like Terrence Crawford, guys like Errol Spence, guys like Manny Pacquiao? Is he there yet? Does he need a couple more fights? Uh, would you like to see him in with that other prospect, uh, Jerome Ennis, the other monster at 147 pounds? Looks like those two guys are on a collision course in the future uh, once some of these uh, older fighters like Crawford and Spence um, – move up out of the division or retire or whatnot. They're they're kind of closer to the tail end. I wouldn't say Spence is really that old, but obviously he's a big welterweight, so he'll probably be at 154. Or who knows? I mean, he had a, a retinal tear, so his career is a little bit in question. Um, what do you see the future for Ortiz, at least the near future? Does he need a couple more fights? Well, what you said right there when you started, 18-0. and 0. 18 KOs. Virgil Ortiz is definitely the future of the 147-pound division. Uh, he looked supremely impressive. And that ESPN card that he was on uh, last Saturday was spectacular. Uh, we, we had a lot of good, you know, uh, knockouts. You know, maybe they were mismatches of uh, some sort. But Virgil Ortiz is uh, one of those fighters, I have to say, that is just a remarkable fighter. Like, he's got something special. When you could knock out 18 guys in 18 fights, I don't care if you're fighting what they say, the so-called tomato cans or whatever. He's taking out 18 people and knocking them out and has a good amateur pedigree. And he's young and he's tough and he's in a very, very great division. But, Kev, let's face facts on the 147 division. Look at how old a lot of these guys are. They're not yeah. young. They're not young. So this is his time. Like, so, I mean, I mean, I love Manny Pacquiao. I love Sean Porter. And you actually hit the nail on the head with Earl Spence. We don't know what, what's going to happen there. We could speculate and say – 
well, maybe the eye thing was a result of the car accident, and then he got in sparring, and then eventually, you know, uh, his eye blew out during sparring. We don't know what's going on, but we know that Earl Spence is never going to be the same. We knew that when we saw the car accident, and I, I, I hate to say that. I love Earl Spence. I've always been a fan, but we have to face facts here. You know, if, if he can't get in the ring to face a 42-year-old Manny Pacquiao because of eye complications, we're talking boxing, yeah. eye complications, that's not good. That's not a good look. That's yeah. not a good sign. Um, other people we have at 147, Danny Garcia, where he been? Where Where's well, he been? I, I heard he's moving up to 154 pounds. The so. hell is he? I, I, okay, fine. I, is he going to ever fight again? I, I well, actually, I heard that he was uh, potentially um, talking about fighting Charlo. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, all right, we're we talking just, about Keith Thurman. I'm really, really over the gossip. I mean, be honest with you, uh, no one wants to see a rematch with him and Thurman. That wasn't really. I mean, it was a decent fight, but it doesn't. It doesn't move the needle. Um, it's it's just like a, a payday. It's like a cash out. So uh, mm -hmm. don't definitely don't want to see that. Um, moving on, anyways. Um, big big announcement. Canelo versus Plant signed. Um, that's from uh, Michael Coppinger at uh, ESPN. We we did talk about this uh, in private uh, maybe about a week or two ago. Um, they said the fight was dead. And I told you, I said, uh, the fight's not – how is a fight dead? It was never signed. So now he's saying the fight is signed, uh, according to his sources. Um, for November, uh, any any thoughts on that? Just just give, just give you a, your, your brief thoughts on uh, that up, upcoming bout. I, I really – Something that excites you? I really enjoy this fight. Um, I think that – Really? Yes. Plant has a great story. Um, unfortunately, he had to deal with, you know, significant adversity, uh, losing his daughter and um, all that kind of stuff. He seems like a very good guy. And um, now we'll talk about the fight. Good guy aside, let's talk about the fight. Canelo is definitely my favorite to win this fight. Uh, but here, here's an asterisk. Here's the big but is that Plant is a very good boxer. What does Canelo struggle with? He struggles with people that box very well. Now, he hasn't dealt with that in a while, but he's showed improvement in all his fights with power and consistency and cutting the ring off. Caleb Plant might bring him some troubles uh, with slick boxing skills. Yeah. You know, I, I, and, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't think he has enough fights. I don't think he has enough experience. Can Canelo has over 50 professional fights. Hasn't taken much damage. He has good defense. He's got quick hands. Um, not the quickest on his feet, but he's fighting at a higher weight. So the opponents, I think he's been yeah. fighting uh, since he's moved up in weight. Um, he's used to fighting quicker guys, you know, because he fought at, you know, 154 pounds. Um and that's when he really had trouble with the movers. The guys at 168 are a little bit more stationary. And I think um, he's able to see the punches coming a little bit better when he's fighting these bigger fighters. And he's able to take advantage. And he's carried his power with him, which is uh, kind of surprising. Um, 
he's he's on that that clean boxing program, right? Is he being yeah. drug, is he being yes. drug tested? I mean, is he being drug tested a lot? <laughs> well, that's the key. Yeah, and that's, yeah. what's the protocol for the drug testing? And, and, and I, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not picking on the guy, but everybody knows he he did test positive for that clenbuterol. Um, Twice. He was eating those uh, tainted tacos uh, in Mexico. You got to watch out for those Mexican tacos. No, no disrespect well, he, he trains, to Mexico. He trains, in, he trains in San Diego now. Um, so he's he's eating San Diego tacos now. So I guess those I, are, I've I've actually those had are, a weird. What's what's the weirdest taco you had? I I've, I had one one time. I didn't understand the menu, and I actually ate a pig's tongue. And I, I'm tongue, still sure? yeah. I'm to this day I'm not comfortable with it. It tasted oh, good, but I I'm not happy with it. Yeah, I've had a uh, beef tongue, delicious. Oh, uh, great! It's great, <laughs> delicious. Um, Wait a minute! Where the hell did you get a beef tongue? Oh, you can get that any pretty much almost all the uh, traditional uh, Mexican restaurants. Not not uh, Chipotle, Re real real Mexican food. But um, I, I don't eat beef. I don't eat beef or pork so and, anymore. So that's probably maybe five six years ago since I've actually eaten beef. But um. Yeah, delicious, you know. Okay, so it's, did it's, you it's delicious, especially when it's laced with the steroids. Did you suggestively order this or Oh yeah. Was yeah. it just something that was cuz I mine was a mistake, Kevin. Mine was a mistake. Okay. Well, you, you well, you still eat beef, you should try it. it it's it's very delicious, a very I, tender type of meat. So that no. that, that kind of sounded gross. I said tender type of meat. <laughs> We're getting off the rails. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, uh, I, I got a couple of things I want to bring up here. Right. Real quick. I want to shout out Nico Ali Walsh okay. had a KO1. Um, Muhammad Ali's grandson. Good for you, Nico. Uh, can't wait to catch up with you soon. I've I've no, I know him personally, and he's a very good guy. And he's uh he's working hard. He really uh is coming into his own and he's definitely uh, got a lot of a lot of pressure on you being that name son, you know it's just your yep. grandson um i wouldn't say there's high expectations but um it's just yeah it's just a lot of weight on your shoulders people are gonna maybe not high expectations but people are i mean who don't know i mean he's he's hasn't even had a professional or he's only had one professional fight one one and, and oh, he one was on the uh the front page of uh espn.com so boxing's really changed a lot i mean I'm, I've been reading some stories, and you know they're talking about uh, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley, and that's going to be on pay per view. So what? What? So what is happening to boxing? Is boxing become like a complete joke, or is these just wasted? Is this positive attention for uh, for the sport of boxing, or is this negative? Or do you think it really makes no difference either way? I think What's it's middle thing? ground, middle ground. I, I think it's good and bad. Um, okay. You know, I like to see people get their opportunities. Uh, anyone that gets in the ring, I got to give respect to. It's hard because at the end of the day, you got to fight. You know, you're getting in there. And if it puts boxing on the map and people start putting more eyes on it, whether it's two YouTube celebrities like our TikTokers or whatever the hell they want to call it. But, 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 do, but do, you, do you think, these fights are going to bring 
I wouldn't even call them casual sports fans because they're not boxing fans. Not the purists, no. These are people that are, I don't know if you could call them, they're, they're like social media fans is if that's the terminology they're there for the circus like they're they're not going to be purist fans like you and i like the reason why i got into boxing was holyfield bowl one the reason why you got into boxing was go ahead um i think one of the things that drew me uh to boxing was i had a i believe it was a cousin or a close family friend when i was a kid and um he was a very good amateur and he showed me all his boxing trophies, and and that's kind of got me into boxing. You know, um, it piqued my interest just seeing somebody that I knew that was into the sport. And I, I think, you know, everybody kind of has their own, you know, things that uh, intrigue them. But, you know, seeing somebody personally that could box, you know, it, it gets your attention. It, it- when, when it's at its best, boxing could be the greatest sport on the planet. I mean, time and time again, I've talked about Riddick Bowe, Evander Holyfield 1, Muhammad Ali, and uh, Joe Frazier 3, uh, Gotti Ward, you know, um, Castillo Corrales. Like, I mean, the list goes on and on. When it's wonderful, it is the best sport in the world. But we came in as purists. Like, a lot of people are coming in nowadays. I don't want to speak for people that are listening, but it's like they're, they're coming in, oh, I, I like this YouTuber. I want to see if he's going to get his ass kicked or maybe I like him or don't like him. I want to see if he gets beat up because, well, you know, I, I, I don't I, like I, him I, or I like him. Story, I got a story for you. So Go ahead. Pretty funny. It. Um. So one one of uh, I I follow Stephen Edwards on uh, uh, Stephen Breadman Edwards on Twitter, and um, and he he posts a lot of stuff, interesting stuff, and I guess he said that uh, he he was at the airport, and uh, a woman came up to him, and I guess the woman who came up to him knew him from high school and knew that he was a boxing trainer, and she had her son with him, and I guess. Uh, she told the son that, oh, you know, this is so-and-so, and, and uh, he's a prof- he trains professional boxers. And the kid's response was, do you know, um, do you know who Jake Paul is? <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, Future Hall of Famer. <laughs> so that, that's kind of the state of the, the younger boxing or – the younger generation, kind of where they're at. when I almost fell off my chair. And it's actually what's funny also is I remember, this was probably 20 years ago when I lived in uh, Southern California. Uh, there was this kid that lived in an apartment complex I lived in. Real big kid. I mean, he was maybe 12, 13 years old, but he was probably like 6'2". A big kid, but not very athletic or anything. But, um, I, you know, I he was kind of out of shape. So I was like, you know, you should go to the gym and blah, 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 and, you know, maybe you should pick up boxing. And I asked him who uh, his favorite boxer was, and you know what he told me? Just make, make a guess. This is 20 years ago, so. Mike Tyson? No. I'll, I'll give you two more guesses. 20 years ago, Oscar De La Hoya? No. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you one more try, John, and then uh, I'll, I'll tell you. You're not even close, by the way. 
Tommy Morrison? Actor? No, no you're... you're the, I'm the, way off the rails? Yeah. He's a He was a pro boxer. The person I'm going to name, he Mickey fought. Rourke. No. All right, I'm done. <laughs> but, but, butter, butter bean. Wow. So, so anyway, so that that's kind of um, the four, the king of the four rounders. Boxing has become like a novelty act in a sense. You know, you have these. Uh, even in a, a few weeks, we have Oscar De La Hoya. Um, we talked about a, about mm-hmm. that I think, last week. Oscar De La Hoya against Vitor Belfort, which I think is actually. Um, a pretty, pretty good fight. Uh, See, we like it. We 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 like this juice. We yeah. we like the the whole like it's so sloppy, but it's gonna be fun. But, but the like thing is, those guys are real fighters. Um, they are real fighters. Yeah, absolutely. So even though they're old, um, and actually, this Saturday, the the opening bout on the pay per view card is two old fighter. Well, I guess they're not old, but they're way past their peak. Uh, we talked about this, I think, last week. I'm just going to mention it again. Uh, Vic Vicious, was it? Ortiz and Guerrero. Yeah, and Robert the Ghost Guerrero. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been he's been a ghost. I haven't seen him for a long time. So I tell you what, that's really, going to be a hell of a fight. That's going to be an awesome I fight. Know, I didn't know either guy was still fighting. I mean, that's. But I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to that one. And unfortunately, uh, this weekend. Um, my niece will be singing the national anthem at the uh, Las Vegas uh, Lights. I think it's the, the uh, soccer club out here. So um, I won't be able to watch the fight, but I'll definitely uh, get to see uh, the replay uh, on the radio. And um, yeah, so anything else you want to add uh, from this last week or anything uh, you want to catch up on? I got one more for you. Tyson Fury. Uh-oh. Yeah, here we go. Deontay Wilder, uh, the ongoing saga. Tyson Fury went radio silent, he says, okay. on social media. I will not be posting anything until I'm victorious. This is like, you know, not an actual so, quote, so but this is what he said. People, he's going to have other people post stuff for him. That, I guess that's what it means, <laughs> but it, it seems like, you know, he's getting all focused for their October date. Um, is, is that date been set in stone? I think they're saying October 10th. Let me check real okay. quick here. That's, that's, team, that's T-Mobile Arena. It's Las Vegas. Yeah, and it looks like it will be – well, it, it can't be the 10th. It, it's going to be the 9th, I think. I think Tyson Fury uh, had the date wrong, unless they want to fight on a Sunday because uh, October 10th is a Sunday. Um, yeah. But I'm assuming it's Vegas – as it was originally, you know, proposed, but um, I'm still looking forward to that. Yeah, I don't think it matters where this fight's going to take place. I think, uh, I think Deontay Wilder is just going to get beaten down. I I don't. Oh, you're. I don't know why. I mean, you're slamming my my homie here, man. How I look at it, Um, every fight that, not every fight, but every step up fight. That Wilder's been in for the most part, his fights with uh, Ortiz, his fights with um, even he had a fight with Yoan Duapis. You don't know if you remember that. Well, he I remember Duapis' fight. I mean, yeah, I remember. He gets outboxed in so many of his fights, and that power just bails him out. And 
I just think if if you take that right hand away, I mean, he's pretty much a one-handed fighter. He's got an okay jab. Um, he's got a nice left hook. He has a decent left hook, but the problem with uh, having the punch, if you don't use it, you don't set it up, then it's really gonna it's it's like a it's a non-starter. So his biggest issue is he he doesn't throw combinations. So even if he has a good left hook, he can't really lead with it, and um, he doesn't hook off the jab. So pretty much any punch that he has, it's like a haymaker. Or if he punches with you, he can catch you. So that that's probably like his biggest strength. So you kind of have to stay. Um, but the thing is, when he's fighting Tyson Fury, Fury is a master at fighting at the proper distance. So he's either too far out and he's got a huge reach advantage and height advantage, or he can fight on the inside. So if he needs to smother you and fight that type of attack just to keep himself out of harm's way, I think he he can do that. And I, I think um, if he starts getting hit at all against Wilder, I think that's the tactic I think he's going to employ. He's just going to try to beat him down the same way he uh, beat up Steve uh, Cunningham after he got dropped. I don't know if you remember that fight with I Steve Cunningham. I do remember Cunningham. that fight, yeah. He got dropped, I mean, so hard. But he got up and he showed a lot of resiliency. Uh Tyson Fury is really a gritty fighter, and he comes from that, you know, that gypsy background, you know, the travelers, you know, from uh, from Europe, um, former bare knuckle, bare knuckle fighters um, in generations, go back generations in his family. So he's one tough customer, kind of awkward, but I really like Tyson Fury. He's, he's definitely a breath of fresh air to uh, to the division. You know, he's he's had his personal issues and. He kind of says some stuff off the rails, but I think we we need that in boxing. It, not everybody can just be a, a gentleman all the time. I, I like Tyson Fury a whole bunch. I, I love both of them. I love Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. They're entertaining to watch, for better or for worse. And uh, you mentioned like the Steve Cunningham fight, and I actually had the honor and privilege to have Steve on my show and talk to him about that experience. And uh you know, Tyson Fury's got resolve. So going back to that Steve Cunningham fight, he got off the mat and he had got a stoppage in doing so. And he, you know, look what he did in the second turnaround fight with Deontay Wilder. Like, I mean, he was totally like the expression is in his ass. <laughs> he was all up in there. Like Deontay could not do anything in that fight. Like he had no answer. The first round was competitive. But then I started seeing him, like, lose his legs a little bit, lose, like, uh, footing. Um, this fight, so where I'm going with this, this fight coming up, I think that Malik Scott looks like he's done some positive work for Deontay. Deontay just seems a little bit different. Have you noticed that? Um, I, I haven't. I know people have been, like, he's been posting uh, footage of himself training and stuff. Um I haven't seen any of it, so okay. And the and the thing is, is uh, when you have forty plus fights, it's really difficult to like kind of add something to uh, a fighter's game. And as far as Malik Scott, I mean, I don't know anything about his training background. Um, there's a lot of pro fighters who just don't make good trainers. I mean, it's it's one thing to teach somebody 
how to do or, or it's one thing to be able to do something yourself very well but to actually teach that to somebody else is a whole nother thing and then you have to have a student who's willing to listen and absorb what you're teaching them and i think it would have been helpful if good point if he would have had a fight to just kind of work on some of this stuff um in a real fight before he goes in there against tyson fury who's um Seems at this point to not have a whole lot of respect for Wilder, which obviously uh, he got to respect his punching power. But once you take away Absolutely. that right hand, he's just he's kind of a he's just a one trick pony, and he doesn't have a whole lot of wrinkles to really, you know. I mean, what what are you gonna add? Uh, a left hook? I mean, uh, it's to me, it's 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 one thing to add something to somebody's game. But when it's not muscle memory, and um, and Deontay Wilder is not known for being a great defensive fighter, so sometimes throwing more punches is actually a negative because it leaves more openings for um, you know, a fighter like Fury who has a much higher boxing IQ. Yeah, Fury certainly has a much higher boxing IQ, and uh, Styles makes fights like I was saying before. Uh, is that with Wilder, he's wild. He throws wild and, and Tyson Fury, like you said, like you put it brilliantly, he could fight from a distance and he knows how to smother and bother you on the inside. Like if you notice, like when Tyson Fury fights from the outside, he's very good. He's very disciplined. Six yeah. with the jab, one twos, easy stuff, basics. And then what he does is that when he gets you on the inside, he'll rough you up, he'll muck you up and make things very uncomfortable for you. But he lets you know that you're in a fight the whole time. And so my advice, you know, if anyone is a Deontay Wilder fan or working in this camp, and I'm no expert, but I feel that they need to almost do the same thing in terms of you're in a fight the whole time. If you're fighting Tyson Fury, you're fighting the entire time. There's no yeah. breaks. Like Bernard Hopkins used to do that to people. And he was wonderful at it. Look, look, yeah. look how he did Trinidad, like back in the day. Like Trinidad, like after like the fourth or fifth round, my God, like Bernard Hopkins owned that man. He did whatever he wanted to do to him, and that—that's what Tyson Fury kind of does. He just does whatever he wants to do to you. And uh, you know, I'm you know who I'm rooting for. Anyone that listens and been following me for a long time, you know I'm rooting for Wilder. I love Fury, but Deontay is my guy. Come on, Deontay. Bomb squad, let's go. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, um we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what happens on, on that day. I I'm definitely I just don't see uh Wilder making too many adjustments, but He's got the eraser in that right hand. He can land mm -hmm. it at any time and put your lights out. So there's still definitely intrigue there. Um, anything you, you want to talk about, John, before we wrap up? Or That's it, Kev. But I, I actually want to do something right now. You got something going on with your production company. You got a lot of things going on with work. Can we yes, plug sir. you? Can we have a lot of listeners uh, understand how we could follow you and where you're at and what you do? Um, you can follow me, uh, on Instagram at Vegas Valley video. Um, 
that's pretty much where you can find me. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, Twitter. I don't even remember what my Twitter handle is right now. Are you going to Chatterbait? Do you do Chatterbait? I'm sorry? Chatterbait? Are you, are no. you, do- I'm, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I, is, that, is that a real site? Yeah, it's like a porno site. Oh. Where you- <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, yeah. So, you can find me uh, at Vegas Valley Video on Instagram. Um, and, yeah. Uh, what? what uh, plug yourself, John, before we go. At Boxing Music John on Twitter. Johnny Signorella on Facebook and Instagrams. And, Kev, this was a good one. We out. Yeah. And uh, you can also uh, subscribe to Platinum Fights YouTube channel. Uh, that's where you can find the these shows uh, on delay and then the live stream. And then also you can find them on uh, Johnny Sig's uh, YouTube channel and um, chatterbait. Yeah. So, <laughs> so definitely uh, going to try to do a post, a post fight show. Been, pr- been pretty, uh, things have been pretty crazy around here. So ho- hopefully uh, Sunday we'll get you another show going and uh, thanks everybody for tuning in.